This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find out what matters to them and where you can find out what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. That's g.co slash think slash search smarter. Hello and welcome to Marketing That Matters, a podcast series for Marketing Week and e-consultancy sponsored by Google. This podcast looks under the bonnet of how brands are transforming their approach to digital marketing, covering customer experience, e-commerce, search, and much, much more. My name is Russell Parsons, Editor-in-Chief of Marketing Week, and I am your host. In this episode, we're going to be doing something a little different. I'm going to be looking back over the highlights of the series so far, spotlighting some of the brands featured in the podcast to date and what we have learned from them. Our first episode of this current season focused on TalkTalk's rapid digitization of its customer journey in wake of the pandemic. Commercial Sales Director Becky Smith, one of the key architects of this transformation, explained what this entailed and how TalkTalk's customer-first mindset became more crucial than ever. We had always known that as a business, of course, we were becoming much more digital, not just from a sales perspective but also um, from how we connect with our customers in life, with um, any connectivity issues they're having, any repair issues that they're having. And so we were in the process of building a new website for sales that was designed to be much more user-friendly, much more um, easy to use for customers, and really designed to help them choose the type of product that is most suitable for them because our product isn't that easy to understand it's not just like going and buying a dress you know you have to um, really figure out what is the right speed that you need what are your particular requirements for your home so we knew that there was um, a real we needed to really improve that user journey and user experience overall and actually what covid did almost overnight is mean that actually wow This has got to be now our absolute top priority. Let's get our new website accelerated. Let's put real focus on some of these issues so that actually with so much more traffic going through um, the new sales journey, we were able to give the customers the service and the experience that they expected from us as one of the leading ISPs in the UK. So what we did was we very swiftly accelerated the program to launch the new sales journey. It did launch and it actually launched in in the last few months. And we were doing lots and lots of testing and learning in that time to make sure that the, the challenges we were seeing, which you kind of see when you are heavily reliant on the digital channel for much more of your sales, it really focuses the mind on the things that are really important for the customer. So What COVID did um, is um, accelerate that digital advancement program for us. And also we reacted incredibly quickly and designed our new sales journey with the customer in mind. We focused on two things, uh, making the website much faster than it was. So it's much quicker to go through the purchase journey. And we also focused on making sure that our products and services were as easy to understand as possible. Um, as I say, our product is not always 
that easy to understand, what kind of speed you need, you know, what does, how does the router work? How, what can I expect from my in-home connectivity? And actually, more than ever, people were relying on us for that um, strength of connectivity and approach because everybody was at home. They were relying on their home broadband more than ever before. Everybody was homeschooling their kids. So again, we had to make sure that our customers were at the heart of our approach and that um, they absolutely could understand what product and service was right for them. So as quickly as possible, even though um, we'd moved to that kind of heavy digital presence, we wanted to make sure that, first of all, we were able to reinstate things like the chat functionality on the website because then you're able to go through a digital experience but with some support from an agent and then very quickly also reinstate um, our voice lines. But I have to say it was quite an interesting experience for me given that I am responsible for sales because what we all agreed was that the priority was our existing customers that are affected with service issues rather than the new customers that were coming in from a sales point of view. Um, because we did feel the pressure. We saw our customer usage grew by 40%, which is absolutely enormous, and it grew incredibly quickly. So we were all cognizant of the fact that we have lots of customers now at home relying on us. The priority is that they can use the service that they are paying for, and we will continue to figure out the sales approach but the most important thing is that we we support the customers we have. And that also led to quite a lot of improvements that we made in our kind of um, online digital self-serve approach, Talk Talk, where the customer can log into their account and self-diagnose any particular issues that they have. Um, so we put an enormous amount of effort into that digital journey, not just for sales, but for service and repair also. For TalkTalk, Talk, the major challenge was assisting their teams and customers with the transition to digital and ensuring that they could continue to provide the same level of service and assistance in a majority digital environment. Ancestry, the brand we featured in our fourth episode, faced a different challenge. Their service, a genealogy and family history website, is already digital. But how to best exploit the surge in interest in genealogy that happened during lockdown? Nana Bergman, Senior Industry Manager at Google, explained how Ancestry was able to achieve this through what she described as the long tail of search. So I would say one of the challenges that we've kind of tackled together has been creating growth with search kind of beyond that core genealogy audience. And one strategy that, that Joanna also highlighted has kind of been to use Google's automated bidding tools in order to better utilize what we call the long tail keywords within search. And this actually proved particularly useful when lockdown hit and this kind of demand for genealogy really started to search because a proportion of, of that demand actually came from an audience who was newer to the category and therefore did not necessarily search for the keywords and the search terms that we were used to seeing and that kind of the usual suspects would be using. Hence why these kind of longer tail and, and much more specific granular search team became increasingly important. But let me kind of explain what we actually mean when I say long tail. So the way that we as human beings kind of search and find information today has really kind of changed over the years. And, and if, if I give you an example, right, if, if let's say I'm invited to an 80s themed party five years ago, I would have probably gone in and searched for like 80s outfit 
in order to understand how I should dress for this party, right? Whereas today, because I'm so used to just asking Google for exactly what I want to know, I would go in and search for the exact question of like, how should I dress for an 80s themed party? And if I had been bidding as an advertiser just on 80s outfit, my ad wouldn't have showed up on that very specific search because the, the specific keywords isn't included in that. And what, and what we can actually see is that, in fact, every day billions of people, they actually kind of customize the way that they search and that the vast majority of searches are unique to the individuals and would actually feature new keywords and new queries that have never been seen by the Google search engine before. So you can say that, therefore, the challenge for brands, just like Ancestry, kind of becomes how do you actually kind of tap into this very granular kind of longer tail search queries that people today tend to do, right? Previous strategies really focused on manually inputting every single keyword and going really granular and, and kind of getting to kind of like that state of like having a massive account with an ad group for every single keyword. And, and to be honest, that can be a bit of a hit and miss. And it's, it's also, as you can imagine, extremely time consuming. Whereas today you don't have to do that because you can simply use what we call broad match keywords, which will automatically include these very granular search terms if and only if the intent signal is relevant and the algorithm is kind of telling you this specific query from that specific individual is relevant for your business. That's when it will be included. So as you can imagine, there's kind of there's really kind of power in that long tail um, combined with, with the automated uh, bidding solutions for brands that they can really benefit from. And, and it was kind of one of the ways that we managed to kind of grow uh, for Ancestry into kind of a new audience within the category. FTSE listed financial services firm IG Group, which provides the tech, platform and contextual know-how to allow people to trade and invest, also found itself with an influx of new interest into its category during lockdowns. In our fifth episode, IG Group's global head of advertising, Mike Logue, explained how the brand used search and social media to understand the mindset and motivations of this new group of traders and become part of the conversation about trading and investment. It was a really interesting challenge for us. And I think these trends have been emerging for some time now, but COVID really accelerated the change. And it wasn't tough for us to see that change come through. The danger was so seismic that um, the numbers themselves were, were just extraordinary. So it was easy for us to notice there was a change happening and to understand that there was a change going on. Where the challenge came for us was understanding what was driving that change and understanding consumer behaviour slightly better. And there was two approaches we took to doing so. Um, the first of that was really understanding how that huge increase in demand for our products from clients and prospects matched with a seismic shift in the search landscape for trading and investments. Um, we used search-related data to really understand what was driving this change. It really helped us dig a bit deeper into what was motivating these new traders and new investors to come into the category. And that's where it became really interesting for us. We saw really seismic growth in interest for stock-related search terms um, as the COVID uh, pandemic kicked off in kind of March 2020. Um, just to give you a bit of an example of that, the, the search term buy shares saw so a 500% increase in search volumes in the course of less than a week. Really incredible growth. On the flip side of that, terms such as Forex or Forex trading, which are also relevant terms for our category, were up by only kind of 20 to 30%. So we started by really understanding what in the market was driving consumer interest, and then from that, building. These kind of search trends really helped us quickly understand the mindset of these new traders and investors 
um, helped us shape our campaigns, shape our messaging. And as well as using um, search, we used social. Whilst there was a lot of people looking to search to educate themselves and to learn more, there was a parallel conversation going on across social media and YouTube. Um, some of the huge market events that took place over the past 12 to 24 months. And whether that's Elon Musk tweeting and, and driving big swim, swings in the Tesla share price, or the price of Bitcoin for that matter, depending on uh, what's, what's his focus for the day. Netflix's earnings announcement, and linked to that, their subscriber number announcements, or the plummeting price of oil last summer as global travel drew completely to a halt. There was always something happening in, in the markets that um, consumers, new and old, were using social media to have a conversation about. So I use social listening tools to understand that conversation, to understand the trends, and, and not just the trends, but the sentiment. We also became part of that conversation. RG's got a vast array of content and real expertise in trading and investing. And we took it upon ourselves, especially amongst these new entrants to the market, to help educate them, help them understand the opportunities that sat within the trading and investing space, but also understand the risks. Um, so that's really the two approaches that we took to, to understanding more about the, the changes in the marketplace and understand why these new consumers were, were coming into um, trading and investing. Mike went on to illustrate how IG Group combined the data pulled from search and social with its own first party data to keep on top of changes in consumer sentiment, needs and demands and ultimately use the knowledge to better serve its customer base. For years now we've used and relied on a suite of proprietary dashboards to support our marketing efforts. Um, and as a category grew in recent months and recent years, having a really solid understanding of our first party data um, our benchmarks and how we change against the benchmarks was critical. So we, we've really relied on that first party marketing data, which is a real focus of ours, both for now and for the future, to help us understand changes. We have an in-house marketing intelligence team and an in-house data science team who really support us with those efforts. Um, and we'd positioned ourselves really well over, over a number of years now to be ready to understand changes in consumer demand through our first party data. I also touched upon uh, in, the, in the last answer we also use um, search trend data and social listening as well to give an external view on what's changing in the market and better understand that. And that's probably where we've grown in recent years is not just having the RG lens on the market and, and trusting ourselves inherently, but really looking outside of RG to understand where the world is going and, and how we can keep up. On top of that, we have a really highly skilled 24-7 customer service team um, who support our clients globally. And as well as being a great source of support service for our clients, they also provide a great source of information for our marketing teams. We have dedicated service and resource managers who feed back to our marketing teams what's going on in the here and now. They're able to pick up on increases in volumes and calls, volumes and inquiries, but also share with us the themes of those inquiries. And from that, we really learn not just what's going on in the market that matters to the category in general, but actually what matters to our clients, because that's what matters to IG is, is the clients we have today and giving them the best service possible. Sometimes the challenge that brands are facing can be as simple as determining how best to meet your consumers where they are and target them with the right message. In our second episode, Mike Jury, head of digital CRM and data at Samsung, spoke about how the electronics giant went about finding potential customers for its online direct-to-consumer proposition and adjusting its marketing mix to suit the digital environment. So for us, it was really important to make sure we were finding our potential consumers in the right environments. And what this really meant was a readjustment of our marketing mix. Um, no longer did we have a 70-30 split in favor of offline, 
channels. We were a lot more aligned to a 50-50 dynamic of the investment between offline and digital. And by offline, actually, this was predominantly experienced through a TV marketing plan. And we very much doubled down our efforts on both TV and digital as the two main routes that we had to reach consumers. And then we had to structurally understand how we could tie the two together because we were so much more single-minded in our approach. And we were making creative adjustments to our TV advertising. We had clearer end frames that visit samsung.com to experience the products and the features and the benefits of our products that we have just shown you in the last 30 seconds of this TV ad. There were calls to action to go to search, to go to Google and to search for the Samsung Galaxy S21, for instance. And then within digital, it was really clear to us that there was so much more scrutiny on the creative execution that we had in all of our digital channels. So paid social, programmatic display, YouTube were routes by which we had to bring the pre-existing shop window experience or the shop floor experience of retail environments into a digital world. Even within our paid search activity, which is obviously less visual as an advertising format, it was really clear that we needed to land the reasons to click through on our paid search advertising to come through to samsung.com and making sure that that offsite marketing was very closely aligned to a changed commercial proposition on the website. So an upweighted commercial plan with added focus on promotional activity, flash sales that happened throughout the course of Q2 and Q3 last year, we were able to not just get more traffic through to the website, but give a better experience, but also a reason to buy directly from samsung.com. Mike also explained how the role of paid search has evolved within Samsung's marketing strategy, moving from a campaign to an always-on approach, something that now drives a full third of the conversions to the D2C Samsung.com site. Since the inception, I guess, of our D2C offering back in 2015, search was always the initial channel that was first on the media plan for D2C. But search had a challenging position within the business at Samsung. It was, by association, therefore seen as a D2C channel only. And as I said earlier, Samsung, as an advertiser back in 2015, was not focused as much on D2C as it is now. And there was a lot of challenges internally around explaining the role of search outside of D2C and the role that it takes in getting customers who are in market for your products by proxy. They are telling you they are in market and getting them through to your website to give them that best experience of your products. Now, obviously, that has changed rapidly. We have moved from a campaign approach to paid search, as John outlined earlier, to one that is now very much always on. We are in a position where the search team is bigger than it's ever been before at the performance side and the digital marketing function and the people who are touching paid search from a Samsung side has also scaled up massively. And as a result, we are now in a position where search actually does a job for both D2C and non-D2C within Samsung. But ultimately, the overall goal of all of our activity is getting an in-market or a near-market consumer through to our website to experience our products. If they buy D2C while they're there, great. If they go away and buy a Samsung product elsewhere, that's also great. 
The benefit of having everything planned holistically through the channel means that we are able to maximize traffic through to our website. And that growth of traffic from search to samsung.com over the course of those six years since 2015 is, is ridiculous. The, the, the charts look like they're not slowing down and that is obviously exemplified in the last 12 months by the pandemic, but the traffic to the website is continuing to grow and search continues to contribute approximately a third and when I say search, sorry, I mean paid search. Paid search is contributing approximately a third of the overall revenue for Samsung's D2C business at the moment. And that is huge, given the fact that we are having to go out into areas that are more mid-funnel, more upper-funnel, to continue that growth of traffic through to the website. But it continues to rise on that trajectory. And, and yeah, for one in three sales through Samsung.com to come through paid search, I think is a fantastic achievement. Price comparison service Uswitch has also been shifting its marketing approach in order to reach consumers regardless of channel and easing their comparison journey across all online touch points. Head of marketing Ethan Radke explained how the company is trialing a channel agnostic approach with its known prospects and the benefits this has yielded. We are in the midst of a shift uh, from what has historically been a, a more siloed marketing approach where you know, the teams across pay-per-click advertising, for example, social, and let's say CRM, uh, would function relatively independently of one another, each making sure that they were maximizing the performance of their individual channel. And really over the last 12 months, we've been starting down the long journey of shifting towards a more channel agnostic and customer-focused approach where at the end of the day, we don't really care which channel we reach a consumer on as long as we can deliver the right message in a cost-effective manner. And that drives the, the end result for a consumer, which is helping them make an improved decision for their home services needs. So yeah, very, very, uh, very spot on there. We're absolutely in the process of shifting uh, towards a more channel agnostic approach and in, in ensuring that we're reaching consumers most effectively, regardless of, of the channel, whether it be display, social, PPC, video, et cetera. So we, we've started down that journey primarily with what we call known customers. So people who have an existing relationship with you switch today through either a previous switching activity or through coming to the website and not switching the first time but entering their email to receive more information or downloading the Uswitch app and creating an account. And we found real benefit in that approach on those new audiences as a starting point to the tune of, depends on the, the different industry, but between 20 and 40% lifts on retention and engagement. We're in the early days of testing that similar approach on new prospecting activity. So a bit early to speak to specific results there, but we've certainly found it to be an incredibly valuable approach with our known consumer audiences and, and uh, people we have an existing relationship with today. When championing a digital transformation initiative within an organization, getting buy-in from and earning the confidence of senior stakeholders can be a challenge. In our sixth episode, Nikki Fry, Principal Industry Manager at Google, explained how she achieved this while working in collaboration with online fashion retailer M&M Direct. 
I think there are many ways to make digital a priority within your business, but one example would be that we set up a data steering committee. And this is all around platforms, data and privacy, because we knew that that was of critical concern to M&M Direct. So once a month, we bring together a range of stakeholders alongside Tom and Phil, and this includes the head of data science, the head of, head of compliance, and we share with them our latest thinking, whether it's around the privacy sandbox or regulatory changes that they should keep in mind. Finally, to round out this set of highlights from the second season of Marketing That Matters, here is some worthwhile advice from Jess Crawford, Senior Industry Manager Luxury at Google, drawing on her work with the luxury e-commerce platform Farfetch. Jess gave us her thoughts on how marketers can change the mindset of their organisation towards digital. I'd probably offer two pieces of advice kind of glean from my experience working with Farfetch. Firstly, don't be afraid to test things um, and find a way to organize your teams in a way that makes experimentation not only possible, but easy. I think Farfetch are really brilliant at empowering their teams to experiment with products and new approaches and providing they have a rigorous testing framework and a way to scale successes. Those projects typically get kind of sign off and they're asked to to, to try it and, and run with it. And I think the second thing is to really start talking about digital results in business language rather than in marketing speak. So, you know, rather than focusing on metrics like clicks and conversions, think about how you can demonstrate the impact of digital marketing on things like market share, revenue new growth and profitability some excellent advice there and a topic that we will be returning to in our next episode when we bring performance-based marketing agency brain labs together with consumer advice company which to discuss how to demonstrate the role that marketing plays in sustainable business growth and how best to measure marketing effectiveness You have been listening to Marketing That Matters from Marketing Week and E-Consultancy, sponsored by Google, with me, Russell Parsons. This podcast was produced by Tim O'Donoghue from Barrow London Creative and edited by Rebecca Sentence. Until next time, goodbye. This podcast is sponsored by Google Search. It's where your customers find out what matters to them and where you can find out what matters to your business. To learn more, visit g.co slash think slash search smarter. That's g.co slash think slash search smarter.